Hey everyone, I'm back. This is Joy with Life, Love, Lessons. Joy and Pain, Life and Lessons. I am coming back with another Bible study. The last Bible study, it lasted for around almost an hour, right? (laughs) Exactly. And we spoke about King Saul. The beginning of King Saul, before he was a king, we actually left off in chapter 10. And I believe I read verses 1 to 19. However, I did let you guys know that I'm going to go back over the verses because it's good to recap, to understand what has happened. And then, you know, to just keep in mind of what King Saul is going through. Because right now, he has just learned that he will be king. And if I go back to verse 1, it says, Samuel took a vial of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head, anointing him, and then kissed him. And I'm actually going to read from a different version right here. It says, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people, Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. Okay, so I've actually taken commentary from a guy that actually has a very descriptive study on King Saul. Okay, his name is Williams Higgins. And I actually like the commentary because the commentary actually, it goes right into what I was looking at or or something that I would want to talk about when it came to Saul. Because it is reasons behind when you as a human, right? We pick things naturally. We say, okay, oh, this, this is good or that is good. But see, God, he sees behind the matter. He sees behind all of the, you know, smoke and mirrors per se. You know, he sees behind the skin and behind the actions of people. He knows the motives. So you're going to see with Saul And you're going to find out the difference between Saul and David. Okay. So here, I'm just going to read a little bit of this commentary. It says, right after this, Samuel predicts three signs that are meant to fully convince Saul that he is to be king. Now, I just read verse one again. Samuel took a vial of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head, anointing him and then kissed him. And basically, you know, That is like when you are being anointed, it's like a smearing, you know, to do God's will. Amen. That's that's what Prophet Samuel was doing. And here it says, And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. Remember, he wasn't looking to be king. Now, who was it? Saul was not looking to be king. Remember when he was walking to look for his donkeys? Saul was just doing just that. He wasn't thinking about nothing else. (laughs) 
And so here it says, and you can understand some measure of reluctance. And so God is merciful to him to make it as clear as clear can be. Exactly. If there's anything that you may be facing and you don't understand, okay, is this from God or is it from me? You know, sometimes we be wanting to just do our own thing and we be out of God's will. So if you really want to know if God has something to do with it, the true God of Israel, amen, the Lord of hosts, the I am that I am, that true God, all you got to do is ask him. He will surely show you. I believe he will. If you come to him in Jesus' name, remember Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that is the bridge to God. We always going to have to do it in Jesus' name. You can't get nowhere else unless you do it in Jesus' name. You cannot get to the true God without Jesus. Amen. So, I believe that God will definitely show you if you're doing the right thing or not. Because if you ask him and you desire to be doing God's will, I know he can make it clear for you. Just like he made it clear for Saul. And Saul didn't even ask it's just, you know what it is too? It's the fact that when God has a mission for you, I believe that God wants to, to make sure that you understand what that mission is. <laughs> Amen. To God be the glory. You know, it, it's not going to be one-sided. You're going to understand, you know, if you are called to do God's will, which all of us as believers should be doing. Amen. We all should want to do God's will. Even if we're not in God's will, we can always ask God to will us back in his will. Help us, draw us. Amen. And it says, okay, let's go over the signs. Sign one. This is what Samuel was saying to Saul. When you depart from me today, you will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin, Azelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys that you went to seek are found. And now your fathers has ceased to care about the donkeys and is anxious about you saying, what shall I do about my son? Okay. See, Saul... He came to Samuel concerned about the donkeys and he leaves with witnesses attesting that they have been found confirming Samuel's words to him. So this is how you know if it's a true pr prophet. And I believe I addressed this before a true prophet prophetically, if they are truly God's messengers, their words are not going to fall. Anytime you see a word fall, you know, it's not God. I'm going to tell you the truth. Even if they say, oopsie daisy, it was just a mistake. Don't believe them. If their words fall, it is not from God. I'm telling you. So a lot of times we get washed up in trying to chase after prophets, you know, or chase after the next great word. And it's like, come on, what do you want? A soothsayer? You, you want someone to soothe you and say all these things to you or whatever you're looking for, but you can get the answers straight from God. He's come on the main source, the ultimate source, instead of going through all these mediums, going through all these soothsaying, going through all these people that say they're for God, because if they're from God, like I said, their words 
will not fall to the ground. God, I believe that whatever God's word is, if he's speaking to that prophet, that prophet, if it really is from God, is going to tell you, thus said the Lord. And then it's going to, you know, show you and prove to you that that's really from God because God will show you that it's from him. I believe that. Amen. He will send, he, he will send confirmation, whether it's through people or however he sends it. I believe that. And so that's why I know that Saul should have known that prophet Samuel was a true prophet of God. Cause he, he basically, you know, confirmed every single thing. Okay. Here goes another sign. Sign two. This is what prophet Samuel said to King Saul, then you shall go on from there further and come to the Oka Tabar. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there. One carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from their hand. Okay, so the items they have are for sacrifice at Bethel. At Bethel. They gave Samuel two loaves of bread. He came to Samuel without bread. And he leaves with bread. Okay. So basically that shows that. Okay. Again. <laughs> Prophet Samuel's words didn't fall to the ground. Here goes another sign. Sign three. Here goes Samuel telling Saul. After that you shall come to give birth. It's a good breath, good beef, Elohim, uh, where there is a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and laurel. Before them, prophesizing, then a spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man he came to samuel looking for a prophecy about his donkeys but on his way home he prophesizes the mention of the philistine garrison is key the philistines were once again ascended and had a group of soldiers stationed in or near the city which is saul's hometown samuel promises that when the reality of the anointing comes that is, when the Spirit comes upon him, he will be turned into another man. This means that the Spirit will empower him to fulfill his calling of king and deliverer. Amen. And let me say this. God can help you for whatever you need help with. Amen. As long as it's, of course, according to his will. So God, his Spirit, he He was, he actually, his Spirit actually rushed Saul and Saul began to prophesy. And I believe too, when a person is called and God wants people to know that they're called, I believe God will open the door to show people these signs of certain things so people can think about, okay, this person is from God. And that's why Jesus told us by their fruit, we will know them because a orange, this is my, this is my understanding of, of, of what Jesus said. By their fruits, we will know them, right? We, we will know who people are by their fruits. 
okay, I always think about this too. An apple can never be an orange. You will never see an apple and an orange growing on the same tree. Not on this side. <laughs> okay, not not on not on not in this world, from my understanding, unless it's a cartoon or something, but in real life, apple is an apple and an orange is an orange. Meaning that a person that's saying that they are from God and they are of God, then their private life, when nobody's looking, it's going to line up that they are from God and they are called by God. I believe that. Yes, everybody does make mishaps or mistakes or whatnot, but we don't practice them. When we are a child of God, we don't practice them. We don't, we don't fulfill those desires. We cut them desires off and say, Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. And we have to continue to walk and renew our mind, amen, and transform, not of the world, but transform, be ye transformed with the renewing of your mind, and you know, like, we need to do the good things, like, do things that are good, like, read God's word, encourage people, pray for people, repent, you know, live a sanctified life, cut off things that we should be cutting off, you know, nobody's perfect, like I said, however, God is here to perfect us, because really, God wants to be our king. Amen. And here, it says, Then Samuel shares what Saul is to do after the signs. Now, when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do. For God is with you. They go down before me to get Gale. And behold, I am coming down to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. See, the phrase, do what your hands finds to do, for God is with you, implies that Saul is to do something. What he is to do is to attack the previously mentioned Philistine garrison. And after he provokes them, he is to gather the Israelite army and go to Gigal. And he is to wait seven days for Samuel to come to give further instructions. Now, this is exactly a very huge key. Because once God's spirit come upon you, he going to give you... Okay, first of all, God is huge in Jesus Christ and Nazareth's name like his spirit is beyond our comprehension our, our our understanding of how good God really is how holy God really is how how much power he really you understand what I'm saying like so when God gives you something and it's coming from God Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Meaning that if you have God, you have everything. He's more than enough. He will win the battle. Amen. The enemy is crushed under his feet in Jesus' name. You see, so with Saul, only thing he had to do was just obey. That's why God wants us to obey him. Obedience is always better than sacrifice. It has to be because with sacrifice, people just think they can do anything. Okay, let me just sacrifice this and let me live the same way. No, your life should be a sacrifice. Obey God, follow him, obey his commandments. Anything else is just not enough because, you know, people have routines that they do. 
you know, or they, okay, I'm going to pray 20 times today, or I'm going to pray five times today, or, but then you, you live like a hellraiser every other day. You see what I mean? And the times you're not praying, you raising hell. I'm just saying that this is, this is what we do. Okay. Am I guilty of it? Is any of us guilty of it? Yes. We have all fallen short. This is exactly why we need God's spirit. We need God in Jesus name. We need him to be the king of our life and the king of everything, you know, that we are even putting ourselves towards. We need to always worship him and come to him and bow down to him because our flesh is basically the enemy of God. That's exactly what the flesh is. And when you let that flesh come up, it'll start being disobedient. And I believe that that's some, what was Saul was dealing with. He was not walking in the spirit. God gave him the capability to though. He definitely gave him the capability to walk, to literally walk into the spirit because God gave him his spirit. Like he rushed up with his spirit and God changed his heart. So however Saul was before God changed his heart. And I believe that that God gave him exactly what he needed in order to be able to accomplish every single thing. Amen. I believe that. Okay, so let's go over this. I want to go back a little about the Philistines, okay? Because, this, like I said, this is very important because this was something that Prophet Samuel told, like, he couldn't... Listen, that's just like right now. If I'm saying, okay, guys, you need to listen to me for the next two minutes. It's no way you can get that wrong. I'm saying it as plain as I can. <laughs> unless unless you don't speak or understand English, that's the only way you can get that wrong. You see what I mean? It's the same way with Prophet Samuel. He said it plainly to King Saul. He said, after that, you shall come to Gibbeth Elohim, where there is a garrison of the Philistines. Kind of like, you know, like an army of the Philistines. Like, you know, like a little section. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place where harp, tambourine, flute, and loud. Before them, prophesying, then the spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. He came to Samuel looking for a prophecy about his donkeys, but on his way home, he prophesies. He prophesies. So well, I already said that, right? The mention of the Philistine garrison is key. The Philistines were once again ascended and had a group of soldiers stationed in or near this city, which is Saul's hometown. Okay, so I know I read that, but I just wanted you guys to pay attention to that because I feel like that really matters. Because when God tells you to do something, do it. No ends, ands, or buts about it. And like I said, I keep going over the same thing because it's like, I just don't, I just, in my mind, I'm trying to understand how did Saul not accomplish that when it was instructions given to him. 
So you guys are going to see that part because I'm going to surely show y'all the part where he disobeyed God. Not not being an accuser of the brethren, just showing us like we're we're able to look through this window. And and when I say the window, like we are able to look in the scripture and see what Saul did. So we don't make that same situation, you know, mistakes or, you know, do the same things because you know why? Because let me tell you, God shows us these things. I believe the word of God, it is for us to be, you know, to learn from, to understand, to receive, to pay attention, to delight in, to take heed and, you know, to understand that it's serious. Amen. God's word is all of those things, all of those things. Right. And it's just so much more, of course. And I feel, and I believe that we, if we're looking at an old Testament, you know, book, or we're looking at a new Testament book and everything we need understanding. So that way, not only will we not make the mistake again, you know, the same mistake, but we will also encourage our brothers and sisters, whoever, you know, our friends, whoever, and say, okay, wait a minute. If God said to do this, you need to do it. You see what I mean? Because I'm telling you, obedience is better than sacrifice. If you go down that wrong way, you might not make it out that way. You may not even make it out of the situation. So I feel like that this whole Bible study is very good for us to read and to understand why this is so serious. And I'm taking the whole Bible study serious. I'm not, you know, doing this just because I just want to talk. No, I believe that it's a good lesson for all of us. Amen. Okay, so... Let's go over. Okay, so I've already, I actually already mentioned this point, but I'll just read it again. Okay, the the phrase, do what your hands finds to do for God is with you, implies that Saul is to do something. What he is to do is to attack the previously mentioned Philistine garrison. And after he provokes them, he is to gather the Israelite army and go to Gigal. And he is to wait seven days for Samuel to come to give further instructions. Okay. These instructions are referred to again in chapter 13. Okay. So we'll, we haven't even went to that chapter yet. Okay, this is how his anointing is to be made public. So this was a really good reason why he should have listened to Prophet Samuel. Because this was going to be how his anointing would be made public. You see, when God does something for you, if it's in private, he will make known that you are his child, that you are his chosen one. Amen? I really believe that. Because... He's did it so many times with all his children, with Moses. He did it with Moses and Aaron. He sure did. And he did it with, he even did it with Paul. He did it with Paul, who used to be Solitaurus. Come on, he did it with 
Peter, like anytime God calls you to do something, even he even did it with Daniel with the lions. Remember when Daniel was thrown inside the, the lion's den? The lions, God shut their mouth. They was they didn't eat them. So even the king knew that Daniel was of God. And he did it with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego too. When the king made that, you know, the fire, like the, uh, you know, the chamber, the fire chamber furnace, he made the furnace like so many times hotter than what hot is. Can you imagine all that fire in there? And when they went in there, they had a fourth person in there with them. Come on now. And the king said, it looked like the son of man is in there. You hear me? So the the king knew, even that king knew that they had a real God on their side. Uh, the only real God, the only true God. So God makes known his presence. If you really call by God. You don't need people's approval. You really need God's approval. Amen. It says, okay, let's go over here. I'm just going down because I'm looking at this commentary because it's really important. And that's why I wanted to go over everything. Okay. I'm going all the way down to... I'm going down, I'm going down. Okay, here again, with these three signs, we see God's oversight. God's caring. He's providing. Amen. His, you know, just him being a good God. Samuel predicted he would meet two men who would say such and such and it happened. Samuel predicted that he would meet three men who would give him two loaves of bread and it happened. Prophet Samuel predicted that he would meet a band of prophets and he would prophesy and it happened. Okay, but then we come back to our story and Saul's missed the opportunity. So this is where I was really like, wow. Okay, when he had finished prophesizing, he came to the high place. Let's go. I'm going to go over to the verse in chapter 10. Let's go over to verse 13. I'm going to be in a voice translation. This is chapter 10. Of first Samuel and we're gonna to go to verse 13 when Saul finished prophesizing he went to a high place to a local shrine when when Saul returned home his uncle asked him and his servant where they had been Saul this is what he said we went to look for the donkeys when we couldn't find them we spoke with the seer Samuel the uncle said what did Samuel tell you? Here goes Saul. He told us that the donkeys have been found. But Saul did not tell him anything about the kingdom or anything else Samuel has said. Okay. So you can already tell. As I said before, I, I will actually, I don't know if I said this to you, to you guys, to, to, to you listeners. But I have definitely said this out and said, you know, it's like he wanted to hide 
you know, what God did, you know, you, how, how could you do if someone confirms and you know that, you know, that it's from God, I believe Saul knew that that was from God. I just believe that he didn't want to tell people he was scared. He was fearing, you know? And that's why I'm happy that I'm going over every verse because I want us to understand when God calls us, it's no need to fear. The spirit of fear is not of God, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We have to have a pot. We have to have power, love, and a sound mind because the spirit of fear is not of God. If you have the spirit of fear, then it's not of God. It's not of Elohim. It's not of the Lord of hosts. Amen. It's not of the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. That is of the devil. Okay. And believe me, I walked in fear too. Before I was born again, I did. And even after I got saved, that spirit of fear will try to come towards me. And I would literally recite those scriptures. The spirit of fear is not of God, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God gives us power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. And that is the what was happening with Saul. Saul didn't have, he had the spirit of fear because he hid it from his own family. And everybody know. I don't know if you got, listen, I don't know if you guys are like this, but you know, when something really good happens, you know, come on now, you're going to tell your family and your friends first. A lot of people do, <laughs> you know what I mean? Unless it's something like a pregnancy where you want to, you know, keep it to yourself until a few months down the road, or, you know, if it's something else. But other than that, most times people want to go tell, especially if it's a true man of God that has anointed your head and has prophesied that none of his words fail. You gonna run Most people will run and go tell their family that and their friends and their enemies. Okay. So, okay. So then let's go over here. It says, But about, okay, so now I'm going to go back to commentary. But about the matter of the kingdom of which Samuel has spoken, he did not tell them anything. See? Okay, this is another thing about Saul. He didn't attack the Philistine garrison. He was told to do what your hands finds to do. What does that mean? If somebody tell you, okay, you got the power. Just say all of a sudden you know how to, uh, I'm just going to give you guys this kind of, you know, example. All of a sudden you, you know how to fight like Bruce Lee slash Jackie Chan, you know, slash Mike Tyson. And you got all of these abilities and you, you already know, hey, these, uh, this army is against God. This army is not only against God, it's against his people. Most of all, it's there against God, okay? And you have, and God is giving you that authority. Come on now. And all you got to do is, he was told to do what your hands finds to do. So basically, what your hands finds to do, whatever your hands, that means if you see something, if you got to do this and do that, because back in then, back in those days, that's what they did. Like, yes, yes, they were warriors. They were warriors because it was armies that was a, 
that was definitely pagan. They were blasphemers. They was not of God. Amen. And back in the day, you had a set of army that handled those type of soldiers and people. <laughs> and, you know, you know, hey, wait a minute. The children of Israel said they want a king. Did they not? That will basically lead them. Okay, I'm just going back on what they said. Now, Saul got to at least have that. He got to at least have that capability. Come on. You know what I mean? Like, okay, God has given you the, the, the power to defeat and deliver the children. The children, wait, deliver the children of Israel, make sure that they're safe, and defeat those enemies of Israel. He's literally gave giving you the power to defeat every enemy of Israel and to always be able to say, yeah, okay, children of Israel, I'm your king. Okay, great. <laughs> you see what I mean? But again, Saul was not fit. I, we can tell that just from that, you know, but of course, that's one of the things. So it says... But he does nothing. So there's a disconnect. Okay, there goes one. Because he don't go and fight when God, is the, the true spirit of God is in you. And you don't go in and, and defend and do, you know, do exactly what God, he put his spirit in you for a reason. Amen. And then, since this was how he was to make public his role as king, because imagine if he would have provoked and upset the Philistine, um, like their garrison, since they were already by his city, right? If he would have did that and did exactly what prophet Samuel told him to do, he would have went and did what he was supposed to do. Go up there, wait seven days. Prophet Samuel would have came God would have been there and it would have went down, okay? It literally would have went down. The Philistine army, all of them, huh, they would have been finito, okay? Had he did what he was supposed to do. But as we can see, again, he's missing the mark. So, then he hid his anointing. And what Samuel has said about his kingship from his uncle. Remember when I was reading the last Bible study. Remember prophet Samuel invited him up to a place of honor to eat. Okay. So he could see that yes, he actually was picked to be king. He It was no mix up about it. So you got to ask yourself, why did he hide it? Why didn't you tell your family that you was anointed to be the king of Israel? That's a huge thing. Your family is a part of the tribe of Benjamin of the tribe of Benjamin. Amen. So come on, that's a big deal. To be the king of Israel? Come on now. And you hid all of that? It's a reason behind that. So Saul's core weakness, as we will see soon enough, Saul ends up being a failure as a king, rejected by God, and a scrooge basically to God's people. Like basically he was like 
he just wasn't he he was not a good fit for God's people. And that that's what I would say. From my from me re, like the reason why I believe David was a good king because David was a man after God's heart. He really was though. Cuz like if you read any part of what David was doing back then, he literally, yeah, David fell short, of course. He had that situation with Bathsheba. And, um, yeah, he did. It just proves that we all have fallen short of God's glory, you know? And and then we're going to, listen, we're going to address all of that. You know, this Bible study, this has kind of been different than the other ones. And I believe it's because I wanted to go over some keynotes. But I want you guys to just, you know, think about those different things because it's really true. We all have core weaknesses. All of us have fallen short somewhere. I don't care how perfect you think you are. I don't care how perfect I think I am. I know I'm not perfect, though. I tell people, listen, I be like, listen, I am the chief of sinners. I always tell them the sinners of sinners because I'm telling you, I definitely um, has been in a lot of mess before I became a born again believer. And it's only been by God's grace in Jesus name. So that, that he actually helped me and called me out of the darkness into the marvelous light. So all I'm saying is that we all have fallen short and we all have core weaknesses, you know, that we may struggle with, even with you being a born again believer it could be something that could be a thorn in your flesh or something that you have to continually pray about. Or it, Believe me, everybody is dealing with something. Not saying that it's overtaking you once you become a believer in Christ because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we can do all things through Christ Jesus, which gives, gives us the strength. Amen. We still gotta make sure you know what i mean that we notice the whatever that that thing is because like i said everybody has something so that way we keep that in prayer we continue to come to god about it in jesus name and we continue to deny letting it overtake us amen it says and it all stems from his inability or unwillingness to deal with his core weakness which is fear so something that Saul dealt with King Saul dealt with fear a lot he was he was very afraid you know and like I said that could be one of the reasons he didn't want to tell his family about it it says he was afraid to act even though he was given very clear confirmations that he was to be king and the job description of a king included delivering Israel from the Philistines. And he was next to the outpost in his own hometown after the spirit came on him and he did nothing. That's like if you, you know what I mean? Somebody is blaspheming and they doing all types of stuff. And the only thing you need to do is walk past that, that, that deli. You won't even walk past it, but it's right there by your neighborhood. It's literally just maybe five steps away from your house. I'm just, I'm basically just saying like he had a whole huge space and opportunity to even provoke because that's all he had to do. 
He didn't have to go and just kill him right there, okay? It was all about, you know, putting, making his hands do what they need to do, okay? Whatever it is, and then go and wait for Prophet Samuel. That was basically it. But, of course, as I said before, he didn't do it. And this will become a characteristic throughout his story. Fear that leads to not carrying out God's will. Okay, so we're going to look at key points. One of the key points is fear of even being a king. That's for the rest of chapter 10. And fear of his own people. We're going to address that in chapter 15. And fear of the Philistines, which is going to be in chapter 13. As the story goes on from here... The question for the first time reader is, which way will Saul go? Will he overcome or will he be overcame? Okay, like, well, basically, is he going to make it out of this? Or is he going to be, you know, uh, just stay in it? You know what I mean? Is he going to be defeated? I mean, that's the thing. Like, we have to realize this, right? We all... Once you become a child of God, we are walking epistles. Amen. So the biggest point that I'm making out of this is, is that we all can learn, as I said before, from other people's experience, their testimony, their journey, their pain, their mistakes, their, you know, you know, things that they conquered. Amen the challenges that they won, the races that they won, or the races they did win. So that's why it's always good to talk about it. Amen. And to understand where Saul was going with this, because he had what he needed. It's just that he didn't understand it that way. You know what I mean? He, I feel, see, in, in my mind, I believe that Saul wanted to do what he wanted to do. See, that that's just my own perspective. Anytime I see a, just say if I see a movie with Saul in it and David in it, or just my understanding from me reading the word of God and from what I, what I believe about Saul, I be, I feel like he just did what he wanted to do. It's like, who going to check me? I'm going to do what I want to do. That's how I feel. And a lot of people be like that. They be like, okay, I'm a Christian. I believe in God, but I'm going to do what I want to do. No, it don't work like that, sis. It don't work like that, brother. You got to do what God wants you to do. It ain't about what we want to do. Because you can get up and do whatever you want to do. But if that's not God's will, you are in uh, disobedience. And you're doing what you want. But what about what God wants for you? He's the one who allowed you to come through this earth. He's the one who's letting you continue to breathe. He has not snatched your breath back yet. Come on now. He is not taking you, you know, your body has not fell to the ground or fell wherever. And your spirit has not risen out of you yet. Meaning that God created us. We were created for him. We were created by him. Yes, we had earthly parents, you know, that did to do for us to come through. That's how God wanted it. Amen. When he made Adam, right? Then he made Eve from Adam's rib, right? 
But for, as for us, we come through earthly vessels. But at the end of the day, it's still God that has allowed it. He's still God that has allowed the whole thing to happen. Amen. And my biggest thing is, it's like, we want to do what we want to do. When, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it this way. Or so, and another thing that I noticed about with King Saul is that he did not take, like, God, I, I really believe he did not take God serious because the reason why I believe that is, is because you're going to see during this whole, you know, the next Bible study and the one after if God is willing, you're going to notice some stuff, right? The reason I say that is, is because even when, well, we're going to read about it. It's going to come up where you're going to, um, I'm going to point that out. It's the same thing that I've been going over and over because he didn't wait on prophet Samuel to come down. Cause Samuel, prophet Samuel told him in seven days, I will come down there. Okay. So, I feel like even in that situation, yeah, King Saul, he, he made his own like sacrifices and stuff. Like he literally did, did that only a priest is supposed to do that. Right. And he did it. And it's like, I feel like that's the, God is holy. God has stuff set aside for a reason. You know, because we must honor God. We can't treat him like anything else. We, we, you know, he, that's, that's not, that's not what we're allowed to do because God is not just anything else. He is the King of glory. Amen. He is, you know, he's not, God is not into this pagan stuff <laughs> or, or, or this, I, I'm my own boss or yeah, I'm a boss. I'm a queen. I'm a king. I, I. He not in, listen, people be wanting God to be a genie. People think that they can tell God what to do. Like they tell all their friends or their family or their children or their employees. God is not a genie and you cannot tell him what to do. Oh, and, and, and do stuff like that. We are some silly mortals. Very idolatry. So much idolatry is not funny. You know, and again, I don't want anybody to straight up, straight up, straight up, straight up, you know, think that I'm trying to like go off on you or nothing. I'm just speaking in general. But hey, if the shoe fits, we must wear it. (laughs) Amen. I'm just keeping it real because I've even had to check myself and rebuke myself about stuff like, no, that's, that's idolite. Like, you no. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's the same thing with, with King Saul. He was in his flesh. He wanted to do stuff the way he wanted to do it. He cared more about what the people thought. He cared more about what the people would say about him. And you see, his looks didn't even matter because God don't even care about how fine you is. You know, you wouldn't even look this way if God didn't allow you to look this way. Come on now. <laughs> Amen. Like everybody got their looks. Oh, I got my looks from my parents. Who you think allowed that to happen? Who you think allowed God allowed your parents to have them looks? You didn't even put the hair. You don't even make your own hair grow. God is over that. You can't make it grow no longer. I don't care how many creams you put in your head. Oh, that made me. Who you think gave the increase? It still was God. Period. I really believe that. 
I believe, you know, because we say, oh, yeah, we got this to treat us. We got that to treat us. But in a way, sometimes I feel like we get ahead of ourselves and we get so vain and we become like little bitty. We we try to make ourselves into little bitty gods. I'm not saying everybody. I'm saying some people really do. And they like, oh, this can treat this and this can make this do it. And this can do this and do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Great, great, great. But still give the praise to God because we shouldn't be boasting off our own self anyway. We should only give God the glory. If we're going to boast, let's boast about God, not man. Because if Saul was alive in these days, I guarantee you, if he was alive in these days, especially when they talk about how good he looked, how tall he was, and especially his need to please the people. I'm drinking water. If he was alive, I really believe he'll be one of these mega, you know, either celebrities or preachers or whatever, you know what I mean? And and be saying, oh yeah, you know, I'm called by God. But it was, it's more about, when it's more about pleasing people and not God, you're always going to miss the mark. You're never going to be able to really be used the way you think you should be used, nah, you're not going to be able to really like, you know what I mean? Do all that you can in Jesus name, because God is still going to get his glory. That's the thing. So I would still say that God will still use people, whether you are a vessel of honor or you are a vessel of dishonor, you still going to be used. Okay, now, like I was saying, when you care more about pleasing people, it's like, come on, why? Because these people not even pleased. They don't know what pleased them. The flesh is a mess. (laughs) One second we hot, the next second we cold. So you'll never be able to please people. Even if you did, it would only be for a couple of minutes. You're only as good as your last sale. You're only as good as your last gift. You're only as good as your last, you know what I mean? Whatever you last did, it's not, it's not the same. God is not the same. Amen. Because if you have faith in him, you know, the word of God says that without faith, it is impossible to please God because first you must know that he is and that he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. So we really seeking after God and we really seeking the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, then all those things will be added unto us. Amen. Whatever it is. Some people don't even want, you know, millions of dollars. Some people don't want a fleet of cars. Some people just want to be holy. Some people just want to live for God. Some people just want to give God the glory. They notice that in money is vain, it's vanity. You know what I mean? Like they notice that some of the stuff that they have is really not worth nothing. When they think about how good God is, they turn their eyes towards the fact that God is forever and ever and ever and ever. And that he is literally with them right now. Do you understand that some people, everybody is not on the same level. Some people really do want God. Some people really did not bow down to the ways of the world or to Baal. 
Not saying that they're perfect, just saying that when God is in you, he's more than those who don't have God in them. Amen. Come on now. So me saying all of this, I just want to explain how I felt about <laughs> about Saul. Yeah. So it, it's it's something really, really serious. And that's why I wanted to go over all of that before we move on. I know we have not finished the whole chapter 10. So I am going to finish it now. And I'm just going to read from where I stopped, right? Okay, so last time, on the last Bible study, I stopped after I read verse 19. So we're going to read verse 19 one more time. And it says, and this is, if, remember, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 19. Today, though you have rejected the true God, who has saved you from every disaster and distress, and you have asked for a king to rule over you. If that is what you want, then line up by tribe and clan in front of the eternal one. Verse 20. So Samuel brought all of the tribes of Israel in front of him. And he chose the tribe of Benjamin by drawing lots. Then he sorted through the clans of the tribe of Benjamin by the same method. And the clan of the Marites were chosen. Within that clan, he brought each man forward one by one, and Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, he was now nowhere to be found. So basically, here we go again. Okay? Saul. He, now, see, again, God knew that he went on it and picked Saul, you know, for the children of Israel, right? Samuel knew because he was God's messenger. Come on now. And Saul knew. Amen. So this is the situation. God is still showing the people. You see how that goes? That's why if you are really from God or just say people be like, oh, I'm called to be a minister. I'm called to be a preacher. I'm called to be a pastor. If you really is called to do God's will in that in that actual title that you're giving yourself, if that's what you're saying God told you to do, then believe me, it's going to be confirmation. It's going to be confirmations that say those exact things because God has no problem with showing the world that you are called for him. I believe that. Your works will speak for you too. Now, if a person is going out telling people, okay, uh, you know, give me $2,000 to preach at your church. No, the word of God is free. You know, come on. God's word is free. If a person gives a love donation, that's different. If if a person decides to give me a love donation, no problem. But you're not supposed to be telling people, okay, oh, give me two thousand, give me five thousand, and I'll go and preach at your church. Come on now. And we can always get into talking about ties too, because the ties was actually for the children of Israel, and it was even for a appointed. You know, it was it was a a a situation of why those tithes was there, like why Abraham tithed 
you know, a tenth, okay? And back then, it was in not in money either. So, you know, it's a, that's a whole nother day. We can discuss that. If you guys ever want to hear about my outlook on it, my perspective, then I definitely would love to share that with you. But we will um, talk about verse 22. So they asked the eternal one, if the man had... If the man had yet arrived, okay, guys, we on 56 minutes. The This is what God says. The, the eternal one talks. Here goes God. Look, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Okay, guys, so you already know. We're going to carry on for verse 21. And so on. No, we're going to keep this Bible study going on on the next Bible study. It's going to be talking about Saul hiding himself among the baggage. And it's important because, again, this is showing that Saul is not actually, he don't want, it's like, I look at it like he don't want to be a king. He does not want to be a king. Because look at him. He don't tell his people about it, which if a person really wanted to be a king, come on now, they would go and tell the whole world. <laughs> or they'll at least have it. Well, nowadays, come on now. They'll have it on social media. They'll have it on the tick to the top on everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, they'll have it everywhere. They probably would even make um, little posters with their stuff on it and say, yeah, you know what? I'm called to be a king and I'm this and I'm that. and I'm. You see what I mean? But Saul didn't want that. You could tell. It, it wasn't, he just, ah, yeah. So he hid behind baggage. So we're going to pick it up back when I come back for the rest of chapter 10. We're going to pick it up on verse 21. I did, you know, go over the time because I did want to just talk about the key points. And... That was in the beginning of this Bible study, but I hope you guys were blessed with it. And when we come back, we're going to definitely dig more into King Saul. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have a good one, guys. Peace.